It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen-Sham joined by Amanda Loudon. Hello, Amanda. Hey, Sarah. How are you? I am good. I am good. I thought of you yesterday when I went swimming. Outdoors, I assume. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Today on my walk, I walked past a community center that has a big window that looks into their pool. I've, I think I've only been at once or twice when my kids were little. So I'm not crazy about that pool to begin with, but I actually got a little short of breath just like looking at Oh my gosh, sharing a lane. (laughs) It's coming, it's coming. Yes, I don't blame you. Um, Yeah, yeah. yeah, I I was indoors yesterday when you were outdoors. So, (laughs) oh, but don't envy me too much. So, okay, so on, and we're talking about this in part because you wrote a fabulous Washington Post article about the joys of open water swimming. You graciously included me in it and there was a photo and it was quite a thrill. So thank you for that. Well, you were a great source. So thanks. Thanks. Okay. So Molly and I went swimming on Sunday and today's Wednesday as we record this on Sunday and it was just, the water was glorious. It was so clear and this beautiful shade of green with the sunlight just cutting through it. And, oh, it was wonderful. And it was, I wouldn't even call it chilly. It was approaching chili, but it felt great. It felt great. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go swimming first thing Tuesday morning. And they open at 7am. The state park opens. So it was less than 48 hours after the last time I was in the water and it had been taken over by gunk. Okay. Oh my gosh. It's like everything growing on the bottom of the pond must have given up the ghost and floated to the surface. Oh, yuck. <laughs> you go in in those conditions or not? So, oh gosh, I'm, I am, you know, a diehard. I, I am foolhardy. Some might say, I was going to say hardy, but let's put fool before that. <laughs> so there's a buoyed in area. And so the buoy serves as a little bit of a natural barrier against the gunk mm-hmm. kind of you know, being blown into it. So I did one quote unquote lap of that length. And I was like, "Mm, this is really dull. It looks a little clearer that way. So I headed out and toured this one shore. And definitely this year, what I've learned is that it's all plant material. So it's not like I'm cutting through fish heads and, you know, floating (laughs) opossums, you know, or something like that. It's, it's all, (laughs) it's all plant material. It won't hurt me. So, but I, I go through it. I think it's pretty good. 
And then I turn around and pretty much retrace my strokes. And there is so much stuff floating in the water that I've obviously broken up on my way through. <laughs> You're in a little lane there. That you yes. <laughs> like, oh, I think that's like my detritus that I'm now swimming back through. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> so, so I told myself I'd do a thousand meters or thousand yards and then get out and my chorus buzzed it a second time, which means a thousand and I still kept swimming a little tiny bit after that so wow good uh, for you yes yes and then uh, then hightailed it to the pickleball court and then took a silkwood shower when I got home good move good move (laughs) (laughs) so so headed to the Twin Cities this weekend as as we record this right right yes so no I will not be swimming in the Mississippi and uh, (laughs) (laughs) So the next time I'll swim is next Tuesday. So it's it's just interesting to think about. You think, well, it I've blinked in, since the last time I was here. And, oh, no, things can really, really change. Yeah. 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 I mean, I guess like a good rain can make a big difference, too, you know. And fall. Yeah, we, no, we haven't had anything. I mean, it's been gorgeous. Oh, it's interesting, huh? Yeah. So today it's a tiny bit of... I mean, it's sprinkling at most. So I don't know. I'm optimistic that it will have just got, I can handle chillier, but mm-hmm. dunk. Yeah. 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 Coming out with green stuff all over your face isn't fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I definitely looked in my rearview mirror before I went out yeah, onto the courts <laughs> to be like, okay, yeah, I don't have any food on my face. I don't have any gunk on my face. We're good. The <laughs> <laughs> no, seaweed in the hair. Yes. Know. No, I will not look like Daryl Hannah, you know, <laughs> meeting Tom Hanks for the first right. time. Because, right. you know, I oftentimes get confused for it. You know, I'm just well, going to say I that. mean, that's understandable. <laughs> yeah. <It's> so small. <laughs> <laughs> Blonde, depending on yes, when you hit yeah. me, if I've just been to the salon or not. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, today's episode is a companion piece to the episode of AMR Trains that ran on Tuesday, September 27th. If you're in our feed, it would be considered the most recent episode. And that was the one in which Dimity and the other Sarah talked to two race pacers. So we want to get the perspective now from the other side. So we're talking to three women who've used pacers in a race, or I should say four women, because you, Amanda, have been a pacer in a race several times, and you've used a pacer and been a pacer. So Amanda, before we bring on our first guest, how about let's start with you describing what a pacer is for folks who might not know. Absolutely. So a pacer, you're typically going to see them in the bigger races and their job, they're, they're going to be an experienced runner who can comfortably run a particular pace. And their job is to lead a group of runners who are gunning for that particular time mm-hmm. to the finish line so that they can hit their goal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and they're, they're typically going to be out there. I mean, again, depending on the size of race, but in maybe 15 minute increments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like I said, they should be pretty skilled and comfortable hitting the pace at which they're charged to lead. Right, right. Which is typically slower than they could run a race if they were going to run Correct. it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So so if you're a four hour marathon or maybe you'd lead the four thirty. Yeah, I think with marathons, a typical rule of thumb is you're going to go thirty minutes slower than your, you know, typical marathon pace. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So tell us a bit about your experience using a pacer, Amanda. I know in one race the pacer was um less than ideal, let's say. Yeah. Yes. I can remember years ago I was gunning for a PR in a marathon and I remember lining up next to the pacer. 
and him telling everyone, okay, we're going to go out hard because we're going to bank some miles on the front end. And I was kind of like, wow, that's not how I run races. And I probably don't want to do this. And so I kind of took a few steps back and decided not to go with him. And Mm -hmm. I think eventually I might have even passed that group because I think Probably he burned them all out and (laughs) couldn't hold pace anymore. So unfortunately, yes. Oh my goodness. And one thing before we hop on further is that in my ideal race world, I do not go at a consistent pace. I don't say, okay, I need to run, you know, better than a 910 mile to break four hours, right. but I don't expect to go out 908, 908, 908. Right. You know, I start a little slower in the beginning and then dial it back in the later miles. Yeah. So I always worry that with a pacer that if they say, okay, we're, we have to do sub 910, so we're going to run 908s this whole way. Right. So I think that's a bit of a danger with pacing actually. And I think that's one bit of advice to dole out here to people who are considering using a pacer is that Yes, most pacers, you're tasked kind of with holding that mile split pretty darn Mm -hmm. close. I mean, whenever I was a pacer, we were aiming to stay definitely within about, you know, five seconds over under on that pace for every mile. And, you know, I mean, know yourself because I'm a negative splitter. I'm also much more of an intuitive runner personally. And so Mm -hmm. if I go out and start doing that, following a pacer and hitting that exact split, it can kind of wreck me for a race. So yes, I think know yourself and know that that's what that pacer is going to be doing because that is their job is to hit that Mm -hmm. pace consistently Mm -hmm. all the way through. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I've used a pacer just kind of for experimental giggles during the Disney Tinkerbell race that Dimity and I did. And our pacer didn't speak at all. (laughs) And so the group, no one spoke. And I tried it. You know, that's kind of my personality to be like, well, if nobody else is talking, I'll just start a conversation. And I just was like, no, this is not what I signed up for. (laughs) And, And I ended up meeting up with some woman, I forget how, whether she was part of the pace group and we peeled off or whether just I don't know, made a comment on our costume or something. We ran together for the last few miles and chatted a little bit. And that was super enjoyable. And, you know, because I wasn't there, I'm not, I didn't go to a Disney race to set a PR. You know, I went there to enjoy the experience. And so I wanted to talk with somebody. So that was a bummer. So so the vibe of the pacer definitely did not match with me. Yes. No. And that's also another point. Whenever I've been a pacer, I have tried to keep the conversation going with people and and recognizing that the people who are gunning for a time probably aren't going to respond too much, yeah, um, yes. you know, but <laughs> but still being chatty and, and you know, encouraging. And because I think that's also part of the job of a pacer. Oh, yes. Encouraging. Yes. You know, we got this. Okay. Stay yeah. strong. Yes. You know, here we got a water station in another yes. half mile, All that type things. of thing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then my other funny thing was when I was trying to qualify for Boston a second time at the Victoria Marathon up in Canada, my husband Jack was watching. And so I was trying to go for around a 355, maybe a 350. And he saw the four hour pacer ahead of me. And so he yelled at me, catch the pacer, catch that guy. He probably didn't know what the word pacer was. (laughs) And, uh, And so, but I knew that that pacer had started ahead of me. So, I didn't feel I had to catch them because we were on different clocks, mm, you know, right, that, right. that that my start time was different than theirs. So I was still, you know, I finished, I don't know, 356 or something. And so I knew that I didn't, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, I'm behind the four hour pacer. I must be running a 404. No, 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 it was fine. So I think it's important in the starting corral, if you're not going to be with a pacer, maybe get a 
lay of the land and look around to see what pacers are near you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. If you're concerned about time. Yes. Agree. Agree. I kind of like the approach of stalking a pacer, you know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, keep the, keep your eye on them up there. If that's your goal time, but don't sweat it too much either. If you're not right next to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that stalking a pacer. Yeah. So, all right. Well, Amanda, you and I will welcome the first of our three have used a pacer runners right after this break. Please stay with us. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Our first guest is Katie Benziger, a cardiologist and mom of two school-age kids in Duluth, Minnesota. Katie's a runner for a decade, and she's had such positive experience being paced, she has since become a pacer herself. So thanks for taking time out of your workday to talk with us, Katie. Oh, thanks so much for the invitation. So Katie, you've been running for about a decade. Tell us a little bit about your running background. Yeah, I was never, well, I guess I ran hurdles in high school, but was really never a runner. I played soccer and basketball and things growing up. And it wasn't until after I had my second child that I needed to get moving again and had signed up for initially a 10K. And then when I moved to Duluth in 2017, I signed up for Grandma's Half Marathon, which was the longest distance I had ever run. And so really needed to kind of kick it up into gear and get into a training plan and actually uh, work uh, to be able to complete that distance. Nice. So before we start talking pacing, tell us about being a cardiologist and a runner. You told me on the phone you run partly so you can practice what you preach to your patients. Yes, I'm actually in clinic today and I see a lot of patients who have heart disease, heart failure, health disease, and we talk a lot about heart healthy lifestyle. And the American Heart Association recommends everybody get 30 to 60 minutes of routine exercise every day, strength training twice a week, eating a diet that's you know, full of fresh fruits and vegetables, really limiting animal products. And I talk about this with every patient every day. And so I think it's just part of um, kind of who I am to be a preventative cardiologist and and to try to stay fit and healthy. Um, You know, some people would say running marathons is taking it to another level, but it's really, (laughs) for me, so fun. I've met so many wonderful people running that it's just something I really enjoy. Nice. Yeah. Love the whole practicing what you preach. That's excellent. What prompted you to first use a pacer? So in my training for my first half marathon, there was a really amazing woman that I met. Her name was Stephanie, and she was just always there. She would always run with, you know, whoever was the slowest in the group, and she would always pass the miles by talking, and turned out she was a pacer, and she would do this for a variety of races, and she was just so great. She was like our own pacer in our in our running group. 
And after I did a couple half marathons and you try to run with pacers and try to meet that goal, whether, you know, my first goal was to finish in under two hours and then to try to PR, you know, starting in those pacing groups, like you said, kind of line up by the people with the little dowels with the times, you know, to try to mm-hmm. not go out too fast. I ended up uh, then joining and being a pacer because it's just a, it's a different challenge. Uh, trying to keep a certain pace is actually almost as hard as trying to PR, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. What did you like about using a pacer? What was the experience like that first time out? Well, I think it's really intimidating when you're going out for your first race and, you know, you've been training for months and months. Uh, The weather is always, at least in Duluth, Minnesota, very different (laughs) when you're training in the winter compared to on race day in June when it can be hot. And it's hard to know, you know, what time you're going to run, but you know you don't want to go out too fast. And so I think running with the pacer is just a nice to have somebody to talk to, somebody who you can rely on. It's their job, right? They're there to uh, help you get to that finish line. And I actually uh, ran with them for the, the first five or six miles with them and kind of eye shot and then realized that I was actually feeling really good and and then could kind of take off and then finish my first half in about, I think it was like 155. So uh, under the, the time, but it was really nice to have those pacers there as a kind of visual and, uh, you know, to just help guide you. Did anything surprise you about using a pacer? And you've talked about it, but maybe elaborate. Uh, you know, I, it sounds like it eased the stress of running a race that you could put it in their hands, so to speak. Oh, yeah. I think it depends on what your goals are. Sometimes your goals are to just finish, in which case mm-hmm. it doesn't, you know, you don't necessarily need a pacer. But once I finished my first half marathon and every subsequent marathon, unfortunately, I took on this. Let's see if I can beat my time from last year or uh, you know, different races have different uh, hills and elevations. So you might not be able to get your personal best, but, you know, just having different goals. And I think when you're going for a time goal, I think the pacers are just really important. I mean, obviously your training is super important too, but really trying to keep that tempo. I also find that mm-hmm. using music, upbeat music and having, I make a new playlist for every big race that I do. And so that's also helps keep you, you know, moving. Nice. And what, were there any surprises about using Pacer? Like, did you know that you'd be going out at the same pace, you know, so that you wouldn't kind of ease into it or because it was your first half marathon, you kind of didn't know what was what. So, well, I think the thing that's surprising somebody mentioned is um, the Pacers start at the beginning. They get there early <laughs> and they're sort of lined up. And one time uh, we were on a bus that got there late. And, and by the time you wait in line for the bathrooms, all of a sudden the gun's gone off and, and the Pacers are all gone. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, if you're not starting at the front in the beginning of the corrals where all the pacers are, then it can be really challenging because you could be chasing a pacer that's a much lower time than you think, but it's because they started ahead mm-hmm. of you. And so sometimes then that can be distracting, but they're always there if you need someone to talk to or distract <laughs> you. I think they're funny. I had one pacer that we ran with who just every time we went by people holding cowbells he would be like mo cowbell cowbell," (laughs) and and just really got the crowd into it you know a lot of people are out there waiting for their family members but they're you know they kind of get bored Mm -hmm. or they're quiet and so this one pacer was just he got the he would just get the crowd going and it was really fun it just made me laugh how he was trying to get the crowd excited Mm -hmm. about being out in the cold and rainy and uh you know wet day Mm -hmm. nice So as a pacer yourself, what can runners do to make sure that you and any pacers can best support them? Being a pacer is so much fun. And I think a lot of races are always looking for pacers. There's lots of different local pacing groups as well as national 
groups. And when you are at a race, starting, you know, round time, you think you're going to want to finish in. I mean, most people can run their own race, but there are definitely people who will stick to the pacing group. And, and I usually don't talk a lot for the first couple miles, just let people get their anxiety out, kind of get into a rhythm. And then we start chatting, you know, talking about what brings them out, where they, where they are from. I mean, I had one gentleman who ran with me who's worn the same pair of running shoes, like since 1980. Oh, um, and, and by the end he was talking about his dogs hurting. And I was like, I really think you need to get a new pair of tennis shoes. But he was like, these are the ones I've always run and they've always gotten me to the oh finish gosh. line. And we got him to the finish line. He was starting to kind of slow down a little towards the end. And I slowed down a little bit just to try to get him to see if he could speed up. But at some point you can't hold back because your your job is to finish usually right on time, not over at all. You know, you're supposed to finish within often 60 seconds of your goal time. And I've had a couple instances where I've paced where it's a long finish. So like a half marathon, instead of being 13.1, it'll be 13.2 mm. or even 13.3, depending on where you were. And you really don't want to be uh, over time. Mm. So I do usually bank about a minute, sometimes two minutes in the middle, just and I let people know we're, you know, we're on pace or a little ahead of pace. And then that allows us to walk the last water station or two and make sure that in case it's a long finish, that we'll still finish within mm-hmm. our goal. Do you feel a little bit like a sheepdog in a race, just trying to keep your charges together? Like you suddenly saying, oh, a water station. I'm like, oh, right. You know, if you go into that thing with six runners, you got to make sure you come out on the other side with six runners. Like, don't leave anyone behind. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, there's definitely people that you, you release. I had um, a young woman who was a cross-country runner in high school, and she was uh, just finished college and was running with us. It was the first time she was doing a half marathon, and she was very clearly comfortable and was hardly breathing. <laughs> you know, I was probably breathing harder than she was. And so there's some people you kind of, you know, have to, like, let go and say, hey, you know, you're doing really well. You could probably go ahead mm-hmm. here. And others, like the gentleman with the... <laughs> Like you from 1980, um, that you're you want to try to pull with you, but it's like sometimes you can't drag them along. You have to kind of let them go and just encourage them. <laughs> but you know, it, it's it's just a fun environment to be able to run and, and talk to strangers. We don't talk to strangers very right, often right. these days. Nice, nice, nice. Are you pacing any races this fall? Are you using a pacer this fall? Uh, I'm actually running Twin Cities Marathon on Sunday, and I am going to be definitely uh, following the pacers just trying to make sure that I don't go out too fast. I get, you know, the nerves and the anxiety of running a big race. And I want to make sure I hold it back for the first half and and try to have negative splits and just have some feel good at the end. Good, good. Well, Katie, maybe stop by. We're recording a podcast at a party on Saturday, the first at River Center upstairs from the expo. So be a good time. So anyway, or at least stop by our booth. Another mother runner is going to have a booth at the expo. So I hope to meet you in person. I didn't know you were running Twin Cities. Yes, I will definitely stop by. Good, good. All right. Thanks, Katie. We'll let you get back to work. Okay. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. Take care. Our next guest is Emily Summers. She's a nurse in Sharpsville, Indiana, and the mom of five school-age kids. Emily has used a pacer several times, and spoiler alert, she wasn't always keen on the experience. Thanks for talking with us, Emily. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Hi, Emily. It's good to have you here. Tell us a little bit about your running background. I started running when I was in high school. I got into it through somebody at a camp that I thought was pretty cool. And I kind of wanted to be like her and she was training. So (laughs) I started running. (laughs) Nice. 
I got into distance running in my early 20s uh, purely as sibling rivalry with my oldest brother. He told me uh, I was maybe a sophomore in college, and he told me he was going to do a half marathon. There's a very famous one in Indianapolis, and I didn't even know there were more half marathons beyond this. <laughs> um, he said he was doing the mini, and I was like, well, how long is that? He told me, and I said, you're insane. And then about six months later, I thought, man, I'm the runner of the family. If anybody's going to do this, it's going to be me and I'm going to do it better. <laughs> and that kind of launched a 20-year running career uh, with some pretty healthy back and forth about which one of us has ever run a half marathon better. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, Emily. I, know, I like it. fantastic. <laughs> so do you have any races on your calendar right now? Um, I am training for a 50K. Oh, wow. Um, mm funny story it is unbeknownst to my husband <laughs> we uh we were talking about important fall dates and there was a day where there was a conflict between something he wanted to do and something of our daughters and he said do you mind if i go to the football game and he said oh no there's, there's just this day in december that i would like to have for myself and he said, oh, that's fine <laughs> He didn't ask about the 18 weeks of training that came in between. So he didn't ask and I didn't tell. Well, maybe um, if uh, he listens on Friday, the cat might be out of the bag. I, I think that we are safe. And honestly, he knows I'm running a lot. If he really wanted to know, he would ask. But more importantly, my goal in the 50K is just to have a whole lot of fun and give me a really solid base. Because shortly after that, I get to start training for the Boston Marathon for the very first time. Yay. That's oh, awesome. thrilling. Yes. Where'd you qualify? Uh, at the Carmel Marathon in Carmel, Indiana. It's on the north side of Indianapolis every spring. Oh, Carmel, Indiana. I want to visit there someday. Uh, <laughs> we've had a repeat guest on. She's a sports psychologist and I've read about it. It sounds like an incredibly charming town. Yes, so, I have heard her. We have run in some of the same places. There's um, a rails to trails path through Carmel that's really well known. Oh, nice. Yeah, we posted a picture. Her name's Kate. So we posted a picture of her and her friend. Or maybe it wasn't a friend, but it, they were both wearing like one of our hats or something. So they took their picture and it definitely looked like a rail to trail. So, mm -hmm. all right. Well, shout out to Carmela and, <laughs> and Kate Kneifel. Okay, so let's spool out your story in bits there, Emily, starting with telling us why you opted to use a pacer the first time. So I decided to start going for that Boston qualifying time, which, as you ladies know, is a very specific time and coming close but not hitting it doesn't do you a whole lot of good. <laughs> so I started gunning for a Boston qualifier in 2019 and I did a I did a large race in Indianapolis, the Monumental Marathon that year. And I went out with my, my qualifying time was a 335 and I went out with that pacer um, with the loose goal of running with them through about mile 16 and then trying to pull ahead in the last 10 miles and oh. buy myself a little bit of margin. Okay. Admittedly, I was probably not fit enough to qualify for Boston. That was my first marathon in a dozen years. And I was just coming back with kind of that hope brewing in my mind. But what I found out happened was twofold. One, I had not anticipated having a separate plan at water stops. I mean, my, my water aid station plan was not complicated. I just kind of jogged through, grabbed some water, drank it, didn't slow down a whole lot. But the pacers for my group didn't stop at all. Like they just ran mm -hmm. straight through. I actually have no wow. memory. I have no idea how they nourish themselves at all on the course. Wow. But that kind of started that unhealthy trend of falling a little bit behind and then sprinting to catch up. Mm -hmm. And when you think about aid stations every mile and a half, two and a half miles on a race, that adds up. So by about mile 16, I was out of my league and I fell off the pace group. 
And then the second thing that happened in that race is once I fell off the pace group, I felt completely alone on the race course. And it's something that probably a lot of listeners have experienced, but that looking around and just feeling like everybody else is moving so fast and that you are the only one struggling. I know in my head that could not have possibly been the case. And yeah, I remember that feeling of just those last 10 miles being so hard and so lonely and just feeling so defeated. Mm. And I certainly, I mean, the pacer, I remember him being very friendly, but there was certainly no like, hey, stay with the group. I didn't feel any recognition that I was falling off the wagon there. Mm. That is no bueno. Had you ever talked to the pacer? Like I know at a lot of expos, there's an opportunity, like if they're using, I don't know, cliff pacers or something, you can go up and hopefully find your pacer ahead of time. Had that been an option? I don't remember if I talked to them ahead of time. I do remember chatting with them in the start corral before the race for a little bit and stuff. And, you know, kind of introducing myself and making it clear that I was there and that I wanted to run with the group and that I kind of had a plan. Mm -hmm. And that time range, you know, there were a lot of women in my demographic all shooting for that Boston qualifying time. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was probably a fairly good sized group. Again, I'm not upset about the experience, but it was definitely a learning curve that pacers were a tool to kind of be handled with care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't sour you on pacers though, because you tried again in 2021, correct? With a pacer? Well, so I, I went into Carmel feeling much more optimistic. I had trained very hard. I had a much better idea of what I was doing and how to race. I had a lot more miles under my legs and it's a small race. Um, I think there were maybe a thousand marathon runners, maybe a little bit less than that. And lining up in the starting corral and, you know, seeing the different signs. And I saw the 330 group and the 335 group and the 340 group. And so same thing, kind of line up in that same area with the 335, chat with the pacer for a few moments. Um, They did not have pacers available at the expo beforehand. I remember that. It's a small enough Mm -hmm. race. They did not. And, you know, they're in the starting corral feeling pretty good. The race starts, the gun goes off. It was a very concentrated start. That first mile was pretty tightly funneled. So there was just a, a little bit of chaos there in that first mile. But I get through it and I, I can't find that pacer. Mm. In the first quarter mile, mile of the race, I have completely lost the pacer. And it finally opens up a little bit and spreads out. And I remember making a turn, oh, maybe two miles into the race. And then it's open ahead of you for a couple miles. And seeing that 335 pacer maybe a quarter of a mile ahead of the 330 pacer. So I did not attempt to use either of those groups for that, (laughs) that recent experience (laughs) that that told me that it would not do me any favors to run with either of those groups. Yeah. Wise move. Wow. That must have, you must have like reached up and like scratched your head, been like, huh, what's going on here? I remember my husband saying after the race, were you going to run with the pacer? And I was like, well, did you see where he was? And he's like, well, I thought it was a little fast. Uh huh. Yep. <laughs> he, he was indeed just, just a little bit fast. So that's really early into a very long race to kind of have your whole strategy blown out of the water. I mean, not necessarily your strategy, but your, you know, your plan to stick with the pace group. So how did you kind of, you know, regroup and finish out from there? Well, I did my best. Again, I had not necessarily planned on running the whole race with the pace group in 2021. I had the same general idea of using them as a guideline and then trying to maybe pull ahead of them in the last 10K to 10 miles. But it did feel like a pretty big wrench there early in the race that the plan that I had set, that it seemed like a reasonable plan, was not viable. 
That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> and I'll be honest, I did not have the race I wanted that day. Again, I mean, it was another good race. It was another learning experience, but I fell short by a little over 10 minutes the time I was hoping for. And would that have been a different experience if I had had the pace group? Who knows? You can't go back and look and ask and question too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to a happier topic, though. (laughs) Share details about returning to that same Carmel Marathon this year. So by the time I was lining up at the start line this year, after the two experiences that were maybe not the most positive, I was very determined to run my own race. Again, I was really just only hoping to use the pacing groups as as sign poles, just kind of telling me where I was on the course and how I was doing. I had the rough goal of keeping that 335 group in sight for about the first 10K and maybe trying to catch up with them by the halfway mark. I really wanted a negative split race mm-hmm. and then maybe trying to pass them somewhere with 10K to go. I went out pretty slowly and I don't know, I think they went out a little bit fast. I do know that I could not see them at all by the time I got to the 10K mark. At the halfway point, I had picked up some speed, but I still do not think I could lay eyes on them. It was around mile 19 where I finally started to see their little sign bobbing ahead of me. And the next several miles were just that very slow step-by-step catching up with them. That feeling when I realized in the early 20s that like I was really gaining on that 335 pace group. And I knew I was on pace. My body was feeling good. I was feeling confident. That was a mental surge that I can't even describe. Mm. And then it was maybe mile 22 or 23. There was a small hill. You went up. And then coming down that hill before one of the very final climbs of the race, I caught up with them on that downhill. And at this point, I'd been telling myself, just catch up with them. And then if you need to run with them, you can run with them. If you need to run with them, you can run with them. Just hang with them till the end. And I caught up with them and I started running with them. And then that moment crossed my mind where I thought, they're going kind of slow. (laughs) (laughs) I don't need to run with them. I'm going faster than they are. And so passing that goal pace group with four or five miles left to go in the race was probably one of the most empowering experiences in my racing career. Just that saying, you didn't help me. I didn't need you. I can do this with my training and my coach and my plan. It was amazing. Love Mm. that. Yeah, I got chills listening to you describe that. Fantastic outcome. So what advice would you give to listeners who are contemplating using a pacer? Hold them lightly. Be aware of how fast they are actually running. I think one of the smartest changes that I have learned to make in a race, you know, most of us run with watches for better or for worse. And if you just put your Garmin into the run feature, most of us, it tells us what our actual pace in that approximate second or minute is. And I have learned to switch my screen in a race to the lap feature or the interval feature where it tells me what my average pace for that lap is, which is usually a mile unless you've gone in and changed it. And so for me, learning to look at my average speed instead of what my speed is at any given immediate Mm. point has really, really helped me take a deep breath, relax, look at the bigger picture of how the race is going, of how any particular mile is going 
and just given me a much better feel for kind of how I'm doing on the course. And it's just taken the pressure off uphills or downhills or going through tunnels or anything where maybe your signal's not very accurate. So I think that pace groups have the potential to be really helpful. And I know people have used them and had great success and been really encouraged and had a lot of fun in them. But again, just holding loosely to your race and your own plan and knowing, knowing what your body is doing. Yeah, that's great advice. Mm, awesome. Awesome. Well, we wish you well in December and then again next April at Boston. Thanks so much for sharing with us, Emily. Thank you so much. Have a great day, ladies. Bye-bye. Our final guest is Anna Squicharitni. Anna is a professor at Penn State University, and she's a mom of two, and she's used a pacer too many times to count. So welcome to the show, Anna. Thank you so much for having me. So Anna, tell us a little bit about how you got started with running and where you are with that today. Yeah, so I started about 10 years ago. I was into CrossFit and other fitness classes, and CrossFit has some running portions in, embedded in the workouts, and I really hated them. <laughs> but then uh, the more I did them, the more I actually, you know, I liked the challenge. And my husband was a bit of an occasional runner. So him and I decided to start registering for a 5K, and we took it off from there. We started running together. We ran a few marathons together, and he actually is no longer a big runner, but I stayed <laughs> very loyal to the running sport, so... Nice. So I know you've used a pacer often. Do you always use one in a race if they're an option? Yeah, I always look for the options. I always carefully check if they have pacers, what paces are they including? Because many races, they don't have a lot of Mm -hmm. options. Sometimes it's every five minutes, sometimes it's every 10 minutes. But I try to check no matter the distance, no matter how ready I feel Mm -hmm. I am. Oftentimes my challenge is that if my expected time is in between two pacing Mm -hmm. groups, I never know where to start, but I usually start with one pacing group. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what are your reasons for using a pacer? My first few half marathons were really a mess when it came to pacing. (laughs) I would go out way too strong. One time I literally, after eight miles of speeding at 10K pace, I literally stopped and I told my friend, I'm done, (laughs) I'm leaving. (laughs) So it was a disaster. I couldn't get myself to run a good race. So I found that even though I'm better, I'm a lot better now, as I have a lot more experience, I run many different races of various distances, I find it very relaxing in a way Mm. to just rely on someone else to control my pace, especially in the first half of a Mm -hmm. race. Nice. And I don't usually look for the chat or the the group part. I don't really care as much about (laughs) that, to be honest. And I know this is not what people usually think about when they think about pacing groups. I'm okay if everybody stays quiet. I just want them to take me to the next mile at the expected time. I really don't mind. (laughs) That's great. So you mentioned that at the Erie Marathon one time, you kind of found your own personal pacer. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that was so fun because what happened is I was really trying to make Boston. I had a Boston qualifier already, but it was very close. It was too close to the cutoff. Mm -hmm. So I decided this is going to be the race that I'm going to make a very, you know, good time. So I'm sure I'm going to get in. 
I went on okay. But then after a while, I realized that there were three or four runners ahead of me. And it was clearly the case that one girl was being paced by the other two who looked very fit and very strong. Mm -hmm. So I approached them from the back and I asked them what were they aiming for and so forth. And I come to realize that the two of them were unofficially pacing this girl to also meet a Boston qualifier. Uh So I don't know how happy they were, but I followed them for about 20 miles. They were my unofficial pacing group. (laughs) And it was wonderful because at the end, they actually took off the last mile. I couldn't keep up with them, I think, because again, they weren't bound to a sign. They were doing their own private pacing. (laughs) But they make, they got me there. I mean, I was very grateful for that <laughs> because I kind of felt like a bandit in the pacing. Uh, I kept thinking, actually, maybe she paid for them and I'm using her service. <laughs> it's when she went to trip you that I was like, huh, maybe. Uh. <laughs> so then how much time did you cut off from your Boston qualifying time using that? So I think I was almost five minutes ahead of the cutoff, nice. which is what I needed. And I did make Boston the following year and so forth. <laughs> nice, nice. And then did you see yeah. that woman and her pacing pals in like the, at the post-race party or anything? No, Good. no. I mean, I did see them at the finish line. I saw they were all happy and celebrating uh-huh. her and I just pretended nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to thank them because I was really thankful. <laughs> but I wasn't sure. Right? And again, because I don't care about talking to them, it's not that I was bothering them in any way. Right. I mean, I was really working hard to make my time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. so do you think maybe they even, they knew you were sticking with them or no? Yes, I think okay. they knew. I think they knew, at least for some of uh-huh. the time. And I don't think they were necessarily bothered by it. I was behind them, so I don't think okay. they cared yeah. too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. okay. So, I mean, that was a bit of a surprise for you. But uh, beyond that, have you ever surprised yourself with the results that you've had using a pacer? You know, did a pacer ever help you kind of speed up and and pull off a time that you didn't really expect? Yeah, I usually start off with the slower pacing group than what my goal time is because I tend to go too fast. So it's usually the case, and it's been both in marathons and in half marathons, that after a few miles, I can tell how I'm feeling. And what I do usually is assess. If I'm feeling good, I try to break off. And if I'm not feeling the best, I really try hard to stick with them. I think that's for me, at least, it's been a, how pacing has worked the best. I can use them to ca- no, calibrate, and I usually don't mind breaking off from them. Sometimes I catch them mm-hmm. back. When I do find a pacing group ahead of me, I try to stick with them because I do think there is some value, especially in longer races, in keeping some miles steady mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just getting through them instead of worrying too much about exact my personal pace, like at this exact time, knowing that somebody else is doing the job for me. So in general, a couple of times I've had races where I've surprised myself on how far ahead I went from the pacing group I started with. There's also been times where I just said goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't always be the best, especially when like I do, I did the Harrisburg marathon a couple of times. And when you see, if you're not having a good time and you see them coming back and you were supposed to have already done that half a mile curve, that's pretty depressing. (laughs) But overall, I really do like the idea of letting 
them drive you for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I like that. Letting them drive you. Awesome. So having used pacers and now being a pacer, what advice would you give folks about using a pacer like before the race? Again, should we, should they try to find them at the expo? Should they talk to them in the starting corral? I don't know. You know, how much do you share with them? Yeah, I think uh, talking with the pacers, especially at the at the morning of the race, is always a good idea. Just so you get to know them, and you know them, you get to recognize them. And uh, typically, every pacer will tell you, at least most of the ones I met, and I'm also doing that. We try to run even splits, mm-hmm. so everybody always asks the same question and expect that answer. Mm-hmm. But one piece of advice is. Try to stick with them, but don't worry about breaking away ahead or behind if things go differently than planned. Mm -hmm. I do think it's a good idea if you are close to stick with them just because it helps Mm -hmm. in the long term. But otherwise, just stay with the group if you can. But the moment you feel better, don't be scared of moving ahead. I had pace last year, people that I would encourage them to, to let go after a few months because I could tell that this was way too conversational for Mm -hmm. them. As a pace. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. You're not the first person to say that in this podcast. And that's intriguing to me that a pacer encourages, like kind of takes the the pulse, so to speak, of of different runners and, and you know, encourages them if they think they can go faster. Yeah, usually I would wait until uh, mile eight or nine on a half marathon. But if they're still relaxed and talking and they seem to be almost waiting for the group, I just mention it or, or uh, ask them if they want to break off or tell them this is a good time to break off if you're feeling strong. Okay. So this is a side question in, of sorts. Is it tough to run a race holding the little sign that says your pace the whole time? I mean, to me, that is just like kind of awkward. You know, I actually was very worried last year <laughs> when I did my first, because that was a concern for uh-huh, me too. Okay. I have to say, I don't think it really bothered me too much. Every now and then I switch uh, sides. Yeah. But if you're running, if you're pacing, at least I, when I pace, I pace a pace that is much slower than my mm-hmm. PR or than my, my, even my easy mm-hmm. pace. So it really feels like an easy jog for not easy job, but a jog. Mm-hmm. So it's usually not a big concern. I had thought about it. I even thought about putting it in my bra, <laughs> in my, you know, my side, mm-hmm. but usually it doesn't seem to be a problem. What, what does happen is that sometimes the pacers start with a very high, you know, stick and you can see the race pace <laughs> from far away. By the end of the race, everybody's holding it <laughs> next to the chest. <laughs> So any other advice we haven't talked about that, that you would offer people who are considering using a pacer in an upcoming race? Yeah, I think there's also this thing about not putting all of your hopes in one person mm. and that being the pacer. Mm. Just, you know, accept that they are people, accept that they could have a bad day. And that doesn't mean that all pacers are bad, except that, uh, you know, they might be a little faster than you wanted or a little slower. But use them as a tool, knowing that nobody is a machine. We're all running a race at the end of the day. So that, I think, is important because some people, I think, really rely almost too much Mm. on the pacer Mm -hmm. to decide the, you know, the race itself. Right. You still have to do the work. They still have to do the work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And what races are you training for this fall? So I'm pacing wine glass uh, marathon this coming Sunday. 
Nice. And then I'm doing a, a couple of half marathons this fall and doing Boston in spring. Lovely. Lovely. Well, you and yes. our last guest, Emily, will have to look for each other yeah. at Boston then. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Anna. This was really fun talking with you. Yes, of course. Thanks. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Wow. That was really enlightening for me. I don't know. It just made me think about a lot of different things with pacers. And I love Anna talking about how the pacers are human and that, that it doesn't, you're like, okay, check. I'm next to the 430 pacer and that's what we're going to do. It's like, no, you still have to put the work in. They have to put the work right, in. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I liked all yeah. the varying experiences that people have had with pacers. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 Makes me want to do a race. (laughs) All right. We have several giveaways that we're involved with one of ours and then another with one of our partners. And they're coming up this in the first half of October, as well as we're introducing a fantastic looking running vest. So all those things are being introduced in the first half of October. You do not want to miss these announcements. So the best way to stay up to date on all things AMR is by getting our three times a week newsletter. Sign up by going to our website, anothermotherrunner.com. If you don't get a little pop-up box asking you to subscribe, then click on the about tab to subscribe in the drop down menu. And trust me, you're going to want to enter our two upcoming giveaways. So be on the lookout for them. Our podcast today was produced in St. Paul, Minnesota by Barry Medora from Fire on the Bluff, who I'm going to be seeing this weekend. Many happy miles. Happy miles.